0: I don't know how many of you have ever made friends with a Muslim, but they do not drink alcohol. And uh, Unshackled is a program that deals with deliverance from alcohol and drugs. And because of this, there are people who will advise their Arab-speaking children to listen to the radio program Unshackled. And as a result of this, we get an opportunity to sort of excuse the expression, bootleg, <laughs> the gospel to them that way. And uh, that's a good idea. Uh, and Haney uh, is busy translating, and uh, our son has worked with him uh, this year because uh, our, uh, Nathan works uh, with a Skid Row mission uh, there in Chicago. So we're especially grateful to you, Fred, for uh, being here and for what you have had to say to us today. Now then, this goes right into the book of Acts, which we are now studying, where we see how the church reaches out to other people. Uh, Our lesson today will be in the third chapter of the book of Acts, but James Denny, who is perhaps the greatest theologian that all of Scotland ever produced, was a man who said that the ideal church is really painted for us in the closing verses of chapter 2 after Peter's great sermon at Pentecost uh, was preached and where he exhorted the people to repent uh, and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Now let me pick it up at verse 43 of chapter 2 and read over into verse 3, chapter 3. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe Could you feel a sense of awe when our brother from Damascus spoke? I could because the Holy Spirit has gripped his heart. Uh, Feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs, and we're going to see that carried over in chapter 3, were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and they had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order that he might beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you, In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety, we had made him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus the one whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But you put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, It is in the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. May God bless to our understanding this part of his word. Let us all pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great privilege we have of an open Bible and the privilege to read it and to ask your Holy Spirit to apply its truth to our minds and hearts and lives so that we may be effective for you and bearing a testimony to those about us and so our own lives might be brought into conformity with your will so that our lives shall speak for us when our lips may timidly falter we ask you to receive our praise that you have given us so much we thank you for the measure of health that we have we thank you for the money that you've entrusted to us we thank you for the places that we have to live and we pray that you will take back that part which we bring to you today of what represents our livelihood and use it to glorify Jesus and make the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We are studying in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we see the remarkable work of the Holy Spirit. The reason that I started back where we ended last week was that it's a continuous power that is being exerted by the Holy Spirit in the minds and hearts and lives of people and as they change they reach out and touch someone better than at t can do it because they reach back and touch you with a bill and <laughs> but the Holy Spirit comes in great power and he enables the church to reach out And without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we cannot be what we ought to be. No matter how gallant our efforts may be for the issues that are pressing upon people today, the biggest single thing that we can do to help a living soul is to bring that person into a relationship to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that means for them salvation, both for time and for eternity. Then other things will come into too come into their proper perspective. And so we read about uh, the church. We read probably no part of the New Testament has been abused as much as the part that says that they had everything in common and that this was some sort of communism. Well, the uh, practice that they had here of sharing was a voluntary sharing. In communism, you don't volunteer. (laughs) It's taken from you. And uh, here, there is a sharing and each helps the other. Uh, There is a fellowship that they have. And there is a love that they have for one another. And this leads them into uh, their praise of God. And they have favor with all the people. And then the Lord uses the testimony of a church such as this. ...to attract others, and they come to him, and the Lord God adds to the church, such as shall be saved. Then we pick up chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. This means that they were going to prayer meeting. We have many uh, prayer groups in our church, and I'm thankful for those prayer groups. Last Wednesday night... Uh, We've been meeting down at our house for the midweek main church prayer meeting, and there are other groups that meet on Saturday morning, and there are some that meet in different people's houses. These are good, but I commend prayer meeting to you. We have a certain period of time on the Wednesday night uh, meeting in which we have 20 minutes of praise, the singing of hymns, and then we try to have about 20 minutes of prayer in which we enumerate prayer requests and read them off, and people are asked to pray. And then others are asked to volunteer prayers. And then we have 20 minutes now in the study of 1 Corinthians, uh, one of the letters that teaches us many things that uh, we are faced with in our contemporary society uh, that was going on back when the Holy Spirit was speaking to the believers that were called out in Corinth. Now, Peter was on his way to the temple... About 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it varied from 3 to about 4.30, depending on the time of the year, the month of the year. He went for the ninth hour of prayer. That would be three, about 3 in the afternoon. Then we see the spectacle of this man who had been crippled from his mother's womb. When I thought about Charlie Brookshire yesterday, when I went to the home, and Elsie received um, the word that Charlie was gone. I couldn't help but think about meeting him when I first came to Montreat years and years ago. As a little boy, Charlie was burned in an accident and he had to be taken to school, pulled in a little wagon by his brothers, but he was determined to learn. He was one of the cleverest people at fixing things that I ever knew. And I ...counted him as my friend, and I still feel the loss today, and I hope you'll remember that family in your prayers. Uh, To see a person crippled uh, is a hard thing. Here is a man who was born from birth... uh, ...with limbs that were not strong, but were shriveled. And uh, he was brought to the gate of the temple... The, the gate that is called the beautiful gate. And I called Walter Hall this morning trying to find out how high it is to the top of Gaither Chapel. Because this gate was 75 feet high. That's higher than this room is. 75 feet high. It was 50 feet wide. It took 20 men to open that gate or about 20 men to open it. And it was well hinged. It was made of very fine bronze. And it was overlaid with gold and silver in many places with the vine that symbolized Israel. Is the vine uh, an Old Testament uh, symbol of the nation of Israel? And if you could think of the pitiful spectacle of this shriveled crippled man by this huge ornate gate... In the afternoon when the sun would glisten and beat upon that gate, little did he know when he was taken there that morning and placed at the gate what would happen to him before the day passed. Because he was often around the temple, perhaps he had heard some of the teaching or the preaching of Jesus. We do not know. Certainly he must have heard some of his people Because Peter and John's custom would have been to go to prayer meeting. It's a good habit to get into. A good habit to get into because you can never tell when God may speak to your heart. Just the word which you need most to hear. And so he had been brought there and he had been placed at that gate in order to beg alms. And then we read that Peter and John were about to go into the temple to pray. I think if I were a beggar, it would be a wise thing to be at the door of a place where people would go in to pray. Maybe they would look at you with a more sympathetic eye and a more loving eye. You know, a skilled beggar, he can almost pick out the person to make his pitch to. Uh, I remember one time when I was a student at the University of Edinburgh, I preached in the Church of Scotland and they required you to wear a clerical collar. And I was not accustomed to wearing a clerical collar. And it seemed like to me that every beggar on the street came to me because I had that collar on. I did notice that it made me a little more polite and affected my behavior more because people expected more out of a a reverend, quotes. And so... um, uh, Peter and John were going into the temple. This man spied them. He looked at them. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon this man. Peter and John both looked at him, crippled and pitiful as he was. And the man began to give his attention, expecting to receive something from them maybe a coin. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. And he gave him something infinitely better. Because with all the silver and the gold that might have been given to him, he could not have bought new legs. Peter said, in the name, in the name of Jesus is salvation. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene walk. And Peter reached down and with this he must have assisted him. And the man, it says seizing him by the right hand. That means he caught hold of him. He raised him up immediately. His feet and ankles were strengthened. And here I'm told by Greek scholars that the language is used like medical people use language. That the bones, uh, the proper bones were strengthened and straightened and healed. And uh, he immediately, a miracle of God was performed. And the man's uh, legs were made normal. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk in, entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. That'll get you a crowd every time. <laughs> it would be great if you saw something like that, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, the, the, this man had been touched by the power of God. And as a result of it, uh, he had been healed. And he is walking and leaping and praising God for what has happened to him. The church needs to be telling people about Jesus. I remember on a Mother's Day once I went to visit Joe and Dot Hopper's Aunt Margaret. And I asked her if she had any suggestions about a Mother's Day sermon. And she said, I'll tell you what my mother told our preacher once when he asked that question. She said, don't tell them about me. You tell them about Jesus. So here, Peter is going to tell about Jesus. All the people saw him walking and praising God and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And while he was clinging, he must have uh, been holding on rather tightly to Peter and John. All the people ran together at the so-called portico of Solomon, a very good place for Peter to preach a sermon. And when Peter saw this, he replied to the people. Notice he doesn't say, I am a man of faith and power. But Peter says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us? They were like a crowd at Wimbledon, looking at Peter and looking at the healed man, looking at Peter and looking at the healed man. They were looking back and forth. Why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we had made him to walk? The God of Abraham, the continuity with the Old Testament comes in. The God of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. The one whom you delivered up, the one whom you were responsible for having crucified. You disowned him. But he goes on to say, You had him put to death. But he was the Prince of life. The one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. The church is to bear witness to the risen living Lord and his power to heal. And on the basis of faith in his name, It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. One of the greatest evangelists I know is a man who told me himself that he sought God for healing. And instead of getting healed instantly, He got salvation, and then he was healed. And there is many a person who in need has cried out to God for healing, and God has brought to that person salvation. And this is the message which we in the church need to preach today. Thomas Aquinas is one of the greatest minds that the Christian church ever produced, And once he visited the Vatican and one of the popes is reported to have said to Thomas Aquinas the brilliant, brilliant man that he was he said to Thomas Aquinas Thomas no longer does the church have to say silver and gold have I none because he was showing him all of the Vatican treasury. And Thomas is reported to have replied to the pope Yes, sire. And no longer can the church say to the lame man, rise up and walk. Maybe we put too much on the material and not nearly enough on the spiritual, not nearly enough on the salvation. When Jesus said, greater miracles than these shall you do. And there is a decrease in physical miracles as we go through the book of Acts. And more and more of an emphasis upon salvation we can see that the message which the church needs to be preaching is a life that is born again by the Holy Spirit and is changed and directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. This week at our communicants class and last week at that communicants class I tried to hammer into the minds of those who were there about effectual calling That it is a work of God's Holy Spirit. An artist can paint fire for you. He can paint orange and red and yellow and blue. And show you the many colors of fire. The fire came at Pentecost. But when an artist tries to paint for you wind. He has to show you the effect. And effectual calling means that there is an effect. That has taken place in your life and a change that's taken place. And until the church preaches that saving change which the Holy Spirit brings through the new birth and through a life that continues on to learn and to grow in the fruits and graces of the Spirit, we have made a grave, grave mistake. Years ago, in East Texas, we had a great pastor... A black man whose name was Moses P. Timms. His church was the True Vine Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas. I always thought that was a good name for a church. The True Vine Baptist Church. And once he was addressing the Tyler Ministerial Association. And I copied down these words from an article uh, uh, quoting Moses P. Timms. He said some folks are telling us these days that evil can be cleared up if we clear out the slums and make all the youngsters go to school. But he said it's deeper than that. Did you ever put a pig in your parlor? Go away for ten minutes and see which gets changed first, the pig or the parlor. Birds don't crawl and worms don't fly. At least not until the worm goes through the near agony of death in the cocoon and then comes out a butterfly which is a new creature. Just so, something radical and drastic must happen to the whole man inside and out if he is to be delivered from his evil. Only if a man is in Christ Jesus is he a new creature. And when Peter and John told this man to look at them and then commanded him in the name of Jesus Christ to stand up and walk, he was speaking to the world in which we live today saying we need a demonstration of the power of God so that people see what Ben Hayden calls his television program, changed lives. That's something you can't argue with when a life is changed. When a That's a message of power, and it means transformed from the inside out. And I agree with Moses P. Tims. The church in Russia is persecuted and harassed by the government. And I can still remember how amazed I was when I took a copy of Newsweek magazine, because on the cover of Newsweek, was Joseph Stalin's daughter. She had left the Soviet Union and had defected and come to the West and she is now here in the United States. And in the accompanying article in the magazine when she was asked what happened, she said that she had been brought up in a home where there was never any mention of God. But that in her heart there was always a hunger for God. And that there was no satisfaction in life without him. Gilbert Chesterton said that the blank in man's heart is a God-shaped blank. And you will not fill it with the other things that people are seeking after in life. We need greatly to be preaching the power of God unto salvation and showing to people that Jesus Christ is the one who can speak to us here. I don't have time to go on but I hope you will in reading the book of Acts. You'll see that in chapter 4 when Peter completes his sermon preaching in Solomon's porch that he declares to them that there is no other name under heaven Given among men whereby we must be saved. And the church cannot let go of that. Or if it does it is no longer the church. Because Christ is not the head of it. And there is no salvation. Apart from him. Then it shows an insidious thing happen: Hypocrisy creeps into the church. And there is a dreadful thing that happens to Ananias and Sapphira. Who lie to the Holy Spirit who pretend that they are something they are not. And their hypocrisy brings judgment within the church. And then there is a distraction, a good thing that needs to be done. People need to be fed. And so deacons are appointed to be fed because the church is to continue in the apostles' doctrine and teaching. And the ministers of the word are to set themselves apart to the study of that word and the teaching of it. And not to abandon it for the other. So that's a a distraction which is a good thing but it is not salvation. And it must not come first. And then we go into persecution. And next week when we pick it up we will begin to study one of the great conversion stories in the book of Acts. We will be, we've started out by showing how 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and 3,000 were converted. Peter will preach in Solomon's porch and there will be thousands more converted. And then we begin to pick up individual accounts of people that are converted. And we'll see that the Holy Spirit makes a difference in our own lives in burning up the trash that's there in refreshing us so that we have a ministry to other people and a compassion that's born of Christ and so that we have a fellowship with other believers with my brother from Damascus because of his love for Jesus and his desire to reach those Arabic speaking people in Jacksonville And we should have that passion for Christ, too, to meet and to draw others to him. I know a soul that is steeped in sin, that no man's art can cure. But I know a name, a name, a name, that can make that soul all pure. And that name is the name of Jesus. Our Father, make us a channel so that your grace may flow through us to others and that they may come to you. Help us to see that marvel that occurred in the early church and to know that your touch has not lost its ancient power and that no word from you can fruitless fall. And so we pray that you will bless each one of us with a firmer grip on holier things, And that those who do not yet know Christ as Savior may reach out and touch him, knowing his saving power. Correct us where we need that correction and help us to put it to work. Right now, in our homes, where we work and how we live. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit... Our teacher and our guide be and abide with us all, now and forevermore.